Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group, featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents. You'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. Okay, welcome back everybody to the Level Up podcast. And uh, today we have got a great guest with us, Mr. Bill Lublin from the Century 21 family. And Bill, thank you for hopping on. I appreciate it. My pleasure. And um, now you are coming to us. You are in the Northeast and uh, I know you are in two states. You're in both Jersey and Pennsylvania. And um, what you're up to about 10 offices now, 200. There are 10 offices, 250 agents serving eight counties in two states. Sounds like I practiced that. I might have. I'm not, I'm not admitting to it, but we might have said it once or twice. <laughs> awesome. We are the number one Century 21 company in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Outstanding. Well, that's a, uh, that is a, um, a significant amount of competition up there. So that's saying something. So for those in the, the audience that may not know, um, you know, your story and kind of where you've gotten to up to this point, maybe just give us a brief rundown on, um, you know, how you ended up here, what you've gone. I know you've got a ton of uh, industry experience. You also do a ton in um, speaking on social media and in all of that industry. So maybe just bring everybody up to speed so they have a little bit of background on you. Okay. Um, I started in the real estate business decades and decades and decades ago. We will leave that off because people start figuring out how old I am. Uh, our company will be 38 years old uh, next month. Um, we started out as an independent. We worked as an independent for 11 years and then became a Century 21 company. Uh, which actually fueled our growth. I, I have to say, we uh, it took us longer to go from one to two offices than it took us to go from two to ten. Uh, I serve on the board of directors of the two largest multiple listing services in the U.S., Bright MLS and the California Regional MLS. I'm an NAR director from Pennsylvania. Uh, I rewrote the EPRO course in 2010 and 2015, um, and I. Uh, have hosted the majority of NAR Tech Edge events. It was an event I created for NAR that's been around the country. And as a matter of fact, Greg was uh, a presenter on uh, at one of our uh, events. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big believer. I'm an evangelist about uh, real estate investing. I think everybody who's listening to this podcast who is a real estate agent should be building a portfolio because we don't have uh, I think IRAs and 401ks, to me, they're a challenge. I don't understand how you can acquire yeah. enough money to retire um, without drastically changing your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, if you buy properties over a period of years, other people pay off mortgages for you. You get to refinance without having any tax impact. It's really a, a beautiful thing. I, I had... Um, when I was very young in the business, and I started in the business when I was 21, um, I had people, two people say things to me that for some reason inordinately impacted me. Um, one of them was a guy who was buying properties and renting them, and I was dating his sister-in-law. And I said, why don't you just buy them and fix them and resell them, and you make more money doing that? And he said, uh, profit is fleeting, but income lasts forever. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, that was 
that struck me as a very deep statement. And the other thing was a broker that I worked with who had bought and sold uh, many, many properties and owned multifamilies. And he once said to me, the only mistake he ever made in buying real estate was selling. And that was another, that was another thing that was like, wow. I mean, like he was in my mind, a very wealthy man. And it was like, uh, I guess if you buy something, you should buy it or you should certainly have some portion of your portfolio that you can buy and hold for a longer period of time. So I actually spoke about that at, uh, the NAR uh, conference and expo just a couple of weeks ago. Awesome. Well, there's, you know, there's only about eight hours worth of content based on your experience <laughs> topics that we could probably, uh, we could probably pick through. There's, there's a couple that, that stuck out that I want to make sure I think are going to be really relevant for the audience that I want to hit right. on. One of them is of course, this year, tons of challenges. Um, you guys, I know we've talked behind the scenes on business and things like that. And I know you've figured out, um, how to pivot and how to make sure that the agents know what they're doing in, in, in a challenging year. With your experience, um, not only with the social media side of the business, but with your involvement with NAR, with a lot of the things that are going on right now, what are, what are some of the a couple relevant topics that if you're an agent right now that you've got to be aware of in the world of everything being transparent, well, semi-transparent, but out there for the world to see us holding up a certain standard, us being able to say certain things. What do you just, maybe a couple of things that people are missing right now, blind spots you could open up for from an agent standpoint. Well, I think you were really perceptive. Not every, I'm, I'm a fan of transparency when, when appropriate, but when it comes to our personal lives, I'm a fan of translucency. You know, I'm whatever your faith is, I'm happy for you as long as it's something you find comfort in. Yeah. Um, I don't need you to have the same faith I do. Mm-hmm. Whatever your political views are, I think that's great. Again, I don't have to agree with you. Right. Um, but I think one of the most important things, and I think we've lost this a little bit as social media has grown, is um, reasoned discourse. First of all, nobody ever wins an argument uh, on social media, right. well, except me. <laughs> um, but but nobody else does. I mean, you, you just don't win it. You can make your point, but you have to be thoughtful. You have to be careful. Um, the new uh, NAR standard of practice 10.5, the change to the code of ethics, is kind of a big deal. It says that hate speech essentially is inappropriate for someone in our profession, and it's the first time in 107 years that any article of the uh, code has been interpreted to mean something other than in a real estate transaction. In teaching pro standards, I always tell people you can murder someone and it's illegal, but it's not a violation of the code of ethics because it has nothing to do with a real estate transaction. Though I'm sure some of our viewers and listeners would like to kill that co-op agent once in a while. (laughs) Still, we don't actually act on it. Right Um, now, hate speech in a political conversation um, is a violation of the code and could end up being reported to the state licensing authority. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that everyone's brokers or the brokers that are there can go to uh, NAR.realtor. And there's there's some great resources on there um, because a lot of what we do is implicit bias. 
rather than explicit. Like we don't realize uh, I'm, I'm on the board of directors for NAR and in the conversations, there was a lot of, well, if my faith tells me that this action on the part of another party is wrong, then fine, believe that. You don't, there, there's, there's nothing in any Bible that I've read that requires you to tell the other person that they're wrong mm-hmm. in a demeaning, derogatory, or expletive manner. You know, you, you don't have to do what they're doing. You don't have to approve of what they're doing. You don't have to like what they're doing. But, you know, not everything requires a response. And that's that's really hard for people to do. Um, it's hard to do on social media. And it's harder to do in 2020 when everybody's been pretty much home now for nine months. I mean, our state, we were uh, we were non-essential for 10 weeks. Yeah. So we couldn't meet with clients. We couldn't open the offices. We couldn't do anything except what we could do. Uh, electronically. And to my team's credit, they figured out how to um, do 30% of what they did the year before without even seeing anybody. Wow. And that was, that was like magic. We were pulling rabbits out of hats everywhere. But when you're sitting home and your spouse or significant others in the other room, the kids are in the room next to that doing their homework. You haven't been out for a little bit. You haven't, you know, had a, 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 cup of coffee or a beer with your friend or met for lunch and complained about anything. The desire to just say things online is almost overwhelming. Yeah. And probably not the smartest thing we could do. Yeah. It, it's interesting that like, I think you could probably, the whole lesson could be summed up in what you just said. And it might just been in passing was you don't have to respond to everything. Right. And it's, and it's, it's difficult because of course, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of hidden things that I think even if you know what's going on and you realize what's going on and you feel like, man, I need to get out and stuff like that. I don't think any of us are really aware how much it's probably affected us in that, that feeling of just kind of sometimes like, oh, you know, you're looking, you probably can look at your face as you're scrolling through some of the stuff and, and just see that you're upset about it. But that doesn't mean that you have to go and then, you know, let somebody know how upset you are because it just, there's never an end to it. Right. Right. Oh, totally. Look, there's, um, we, we are emotionally more vulnerable right now. And, you know, I had a, a conversation with a friend of mine and we talked about the fact that, you know, most mornings you wake up at zero and depending on the stress level you have during the day, there are some days where you, you go to a four or a five, a really stressful day, you get to an eight or a nine or a pull your hair out there, you get to a 10. Mm -hmm. Everybody in the United States is waking up at five. Mm -hmm. They're not waking up at zero anymore. This has been a difficult year. It's been a a politically volatile year. Whether you like the president or you don't like the president, he's very vocal and he he is a man of extremes. So whether, again, whether you like him or you don't like him, you know, we're, we're, we're hearing a lot of things swinging all the way to one side or another. Uh, I mean, Georgia just counted 5 million votes three times. I'm, I'm, I've been around for a really long time. I don't ever remember that anybody counting 5 million votes, Mm. you know, so it's been a tough year for everyone and people have lost. Uh, my trainer just lost her uncle to COVID. 
her, her, her other uncle, aunt, and cousins um, are all sick with it right now. So people are stressed, they're scared, they're tired. And in our business, everybody's burnt out because they're working. Uh, inventory is really short. Buyers, if you're working with buyers, and, and most people work with buyers, even if they are primarily listing agents, your buyers are getting disappointed. They, mm-hmm. they're, they're on these emotional roller coasters. Um, so I think what, what serves our colleagues best, and certainly uh, I'm even going to talk to our Century 21 colleagues most specifically, is to be the leavening force, to, to um, be an emotional support. You know, I mean, when, when you're calling somebody, you're calling a client and you haven't spoken to them for a while, before you ask them if they know someone who's going to buy or sell in the next 30 or 60 or 90 days, how about asking how you guys doing? Mm-hmm. Is everybody safe? Are you, are you okay? Is there anything that I can do? Is there anything you need? Um, those things are part of who we are. I mean, we are, as, as an industry, you know, it's like anything else. We have our jerks and we have our saints, right? But for the most part, I find realtors to be really community-based, mm-hmm. really concerned about the, the people around them, caring for their past customers and clients, the, the other business people in the marketplace. Now's the time to use those really well-developed muscles that we have to help those around us because people like to do business with people they like. Yeah. Right. And, and the whole thing with social media is about um, building connections, strengthening your network, um, talking about the things that your community needs to hear. So I just and you're right, as as you pointed out, and as I said before, everything doesn't need a response. Be the positive person. You know, nobody, nobody really likes hanging out with a jerk. Yeah. So in, so in today's business, because if you went back 12 months ago, we'd be talking still probably about the same things on um, your exposure and your influence and growing your audience and stuff like that. But um, knowing that there's, you know, everything's received a little bit differently right now. Um, I think sometimes agents make the mistake of feeling like you can actually, uh, create business, build businesses. And some people will argue that you can. I know we talked a little bit. I think we're both on the same page. We don't believe that you're going to probably build that business straight out of there. It's an enhancement to the things you're probably already doing. How can somebody use, going in 2021, if somebody says, I need to be a bigger, this has to be a bigger player in my business. What are two or three things that you would recommend that they start doing as the year turns in the current environment to really to really take advantage of that in in be a force in that? Well, look, I, I think that the the key thing that you can do on social media is become a trusted advisor to your community. To do that, you need to talk about the things they want to hear, not the things you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a cartoonist years ago. I don't know if, if you'll remember him, uh, Gary Larson, who had a uh, the far side cartoons mm-hmm. and he he did one cartoon that i think every salesperson in the united states should have in front of them at all time and it's a guy talking to his dog and it says what we say to dogs 
And it says, Ginger, you were such a bad dog. You shouldn't have chewed that, uh, that table. Ginger, if you don't behave yourself, I'm going to put you outside all night. And then underneath is the same picture. And it says what the dog hears. Blah, 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 Ginger. Blah, 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 Ginger. Blah, blah. When we talk to our customers, clients, and community, we are often the guy. And the community is Ginger. They're, they're not hearing except that little thing that they recognize, mm -hmm. right? So talk more about those things. Um, I have a friend in, in Miami, um, Inez Garcia, who uh, in, in normal times would go out to local restaurants and, would, and, and uh, she has the benefit of being a beautiful and brilliant woman and having a very handsome and smart husband. And they would go out and they would film themselves going out to dinner and they would film the restaurant and they would talk about the food they like. And uh, generally the mojito is their drink of choice. They would talk about whether or not it had a great mojito and why it was a great mojito. And, and so this was just part of their, you know, Friday night or Wednesday night adventures. Um, and they got really a lot of people that wanted to know where good restaurants were in Miami, wanted to know where, there were good cocktails in Miami, and she became um, really easily identifiable with the lifestyle in her marketplace, with the, the art in her marketplace. She's also a recovering architect uh, and a very talented artist. So she would sketch things. She would go out and take pictures of local uh, murals or art installations or beautiful buildings. Those are things that we can still do. So if I was going to do something and I was in a specific marketplace as an agent, I would probably pretend that I actually had friends yeah. and that some of those friends might not live in my marketplace uh -huh. and that, um, say, a friend from the Carolinas came up to Philadelphia and what would I show them, right? Well, I would probably show them Independence Hall and uh, the Liberty Bell, and I might show you Franklin Fountain, where my favorite ice cream is, and go to a couple of cheesesteak places because you're a tourist and you're going to expect that, or show you the Ben Franklin Bridge or Christ Church where Ben Franklin's buried, or Ben Franklin's home, and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So how about if you took a really high-quality HD camera with you, like this, and just didn't take a picture of yourself because people are not, you know, not everybody being as handsome as, as you and Greg are is comfortable in front of the camera. So take a picture of that other thing, right? Take a picture of Independence Hall or mm -hmm. the local school or Kissing Rock or whatever thing it is in your community and just say, hi, this is Bill Loveland from Century 21 Advantage Gold. I'm here at Independence Hall. This was Pennsylvania's state house until 1775. When the Continental Congress met here, and then in 1776, they wrote the Declaration of Independence. This is where we celebrated the very first July 4th. If you want to know more about Philadelphia, please feel free to call me. My name is Bill Loveland, Century 21 Advantage Gold, 215-280-4114, which is actually my real cell number. So please, if you're going to call, remember I'm East Coast time. Don't wake me up. Um, so that's, I, I would do that. You can do that now. Um, you can do that safely. You don't have to be around other people. And your community, whatever your community is, has interesting stuff. Because if I came out to see you 
you'd be able to show me around. I went out to Drumheller, Canada to visit friends of mine in the Century 21 system, which is literally the middle of nowhere. Though um, it's beautiful, but it's canola grain and farms. And, and I was teasing my, my uh, friend Gary Chambers, who I was going to visit, that I was, I never really understood what the middle of nowhere was until I was driving to his house. Yeah. And I went there and he showed me, he showed me Drumheller. He showed me the, the places around his home and they were fascinating to me. And if I wanted to move to Drumheller, which is outside of Alberta, um, it would be, it would be a good thing to know those things because we all, we all research online. Yeah. So you connect yourself with your community, you provide a service to them, you promote yourself each time and you can share those on um, Instagram. You can share them on Facebook. You could, if you can really dance or do something clever, share them on TikTok if you're like 20. Right. But you know, there, there are, there are lots of places to share that information. Um, The other thing you can do is be the curator of good information, things that are happening in the community, um, people that need, uh, unemployment support or information on uh, whatever economic things are going on. Or um, what, one of the things that I think is a brilliant idea uh, is, to, you know, I mean, I don't care how good a cook you are or your significant other is. Once in a while, you want to eat out. There are small businesses that are struggling now and have been struggling this year. One of the things some of our agents have done is create a Facebook group for um, places to order out. It promotes the restaurants, mm-hmm. gives them an opportunity, makes you their friend, and is a resource for the people in the community who want to know what's open, where can they still, like that's a, you know, it's a puzzling thing now. Yeah. You know, who has food to go, who has food to pick up, who has curbside service, that sort of thing. So I would, I would direct my efforts to benefit the community to support the community. Um, and that way you don't even have to interact with people. You do it at your leisure. Yeah. So start as a resource and a connector. And then you, you, over time, you become the household name. You become the, the person that they, they associate with real estate through something that you didn't have to be talking about. Absolutely. Just as you and Greg do. The market. Yeah. Just as you and Greg do. Yeah. You know, I mean, people know to come and listen because you have interesting conversations. Yep. Interesting guests. So that's, yes, you are. And have great backgrounds. That's right, that's right. See, I went, I, I went, I have to tell the truth and, and tell everyone who's listening that I went uh, on natural without a virtual background, even though I'm looking at my bookcase and now I want to get up and uh, reorganize it because it looks messy. We had but some, it has all good books on it. We had some comments that somebody thought that that was actually Einstein's background and they wanted to know where they could get that. <laughs> Sorry, that's uh, you can come to my office and take a picture anytime. Cool. So let's w- switch gears a little bit, Bill. And you mentioned something I, I love talking about. And you know, again, it could be an hour conversation on this, but we'll try to maybe get a couple of nuggets to people that are. There's a lot in. I, I see Greg and I were talking about this um, a couple weeks ago. There's two really strong groups of people coming into the business right now in what we're seeing. We're seeing young people that aren't either going the traditional route of college or they did it, they didn't go into their career and they're like, I'm going into real estate. Then there's a lot of people that were 
you know, quote unquote professionals in a career type position, maybe it got eliminated. Maybe they saw something coming up and said, let me get out before it gets eliminated and they're coming in. And those, both those groups seem to be coming in really, really, really motivated, jumping at the chance to get into something like we do every day. But you mentioned something, there's no 401k in this business. Real estate investing, if you're in this business and you don't focus on that, can be one of the biggest missed opportunities. So what, oh, do you, sure. what do you tell your agents? Just as somebody's coming in new and they're, they're starting to make more money than they thought they were going to, and then it's like they start raising their lifestyle up at the same rate that their income goes up, how do you, how do you enlighten them on what, what they can actually create from the investment side already being in the business? So uh, we have that conversation with our agents all the time. I mean, I'm, I'm just a, a, a really, really big believer in buying real estate because I'm, I don't understand the stock market. I mean, I understand it. But, you know, some guy in Schenectady, New York, has a, an affair with his secretary and I lose money in Philadelphia. That does not make me happy. Right. You know, uh, or somebody comes up with what sounds like a great idea and I invest in it and all of a sudden the company collapses. Mm -hmm. I, as you and as anybody watching this, I work really hard for my money. I like it to grow and I need it to grow not at a quarter of a percent or a half a percent, but substantially. And what, what I found out is that whatever you buy after 10 years, I don't care where you are, it's worth more. Mm -hmm. And after 10 years, if you've been renting it, someone else has paid a mortgage down for you. And then you have a, you have a couple of things you can do. You can refinance and take cash out and it's a non-taxable event. You can um, trade the property uh, under the current tax laws with a 1031 and trade up a little bit. You can um, sell it and take cash out. And, and the other thing is that you can use leverage to increase it. So we, when we talk to our agents about working with investors, we give them the mnemonic idea right? There are four, four returns to a real estate investment. It's a good idea to invest in real estate because you get income, I, D, depreciation, E, equity, and A, appreciation. And again, over a 10-year period, you'll likely, you're going to encounter all four of them, probably. Mm -hmm. um, and, and those, understanding how to leverage those things, and understanding that you can put a dollar in and control four more dollars or control three more dollars conservatively. I mean, the big thing people have to be disabused of is I get people that want to invest and have no money. Yeah. It, the, the idea of investing means you start out with cash. Mm -hmm. Now, there are ways to buy homes without money, but they're more difficult and they're more creative. And they mean you're not going to have the income and you might have to make a periodic reinvestment put money in each month, but you just, it's, it's all arithmetic. I think it's very basic and I'm, I'm sometimes stunned by how much money I've made over the years, uh, only temporarily by, by just buying and holding on to properties. And mm -hmm. if you're in an urban area, like we are in Philadelphia, there are some homes where I've become a genius because I bought inexpensive homes 
in higher risk areas and the areas became urbanized. And all of a sudden I was a genius yeah. because I got older. Yeah. So the, um, I, I think that that is that really, that's a whole other conversation, but we just constantly talk about it. And because we work with investors a lot in the city, um, we find that our agents kind of want to do that too, because they see other people making the money. Mm -hmm. So they want to, they want to get it done. The, I think the biggest problem is when you're 20 or 30 thinking about what you're going to want when you're 50 or 60 or 70 yeah. and what that's going to look like. Cause I, I remember um, talking with an accountant of mine uh, when I was much younger in the business and I said, man, I can't, I can't wait until, you know, like I'd really like to maybe retire in 10 years. He said, you could retire now if you wanted to. He said, you have assets, you have income, you just have to adjust your lifestyle. And I never wanted to adjust my lifestyle. I want to like stop working and still travel and buy and do as much as I do while I'm working. So yeah. that meant building a larger portfolio. Yeah. Um, but I, I would encourage everybody uh, to do that really as quickly as you can. Yeah. Give something else up. Yeah. And I think the, um, I think you mentioned one of the things that keeps people from making the move sometimes a lot longer than they, than they should. And it's not having the cash. You know, a lot of times you're right. starting from something where, you know, you've got to replace your income first, then you got to have some residual. Well, then you have some residual and you start wanting to move the lifestyle up. And then all of a sudden it's five, six years down the road and you still haven't taken advantage of it. And what I would tell people then, if I had it to do over again, I would have listened sooner when somebody said very early on, if you have a good enough deal, finding money is not a problem. Right. It, find a partner. Yeah. Find a partner. Somebody comes right. to you and they don't have the money and they've got a good deal. I mean, you're probably more than one to figure out a revenue share on the profits. It's going to work. Oh, well. for sure. I, I, listen, all of all of my agents know anything they bring in. If it's a fix and flip, I'll put up the cash. We'll split yep. it. Yeah, it's not a problem. Yep. I mean, that's a part of the value package. Yeah, you know, and, and that's 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 a huge that's a huge roadblock that's taken out. And I think that the other one is not really understanding the transaction in like, how do I figure out whether or not something's going to make sense? Do I have, you know, the, the, the glory, the sexy part of investing is all HGTV. And in 30 minutes, they buy something at 400, put in a hundred and then make 300, which is like, you know, it happens, but it's not, that's made for TV. No, of course. Of course. Yeah. Do you know, no, listen, to analyze a deal and go, okay, Here's option one. If I'm going to flip it and I figured out what the taxes are and that's the that's A, then what do I do next? Do I turn around? Is next option to go ahead and um, you know rent it out? Do I owner finance? Do I increase the rents and then turn around and refinance? Once you figure that stuff out and you can have a conversation where you would believe, all right, now I'm educated on this, you're going to be crushing it with your clients. Because no question. confidence to be able to talk about that is, you know, most investors that are working with agents, they're not used to that. They come across you and you understand that conversation. you got a client for life. Oh, listen, we, you know, we, we talk, when we talk about investing, we, we will typically say nobody buys a stock because it's a pretty certificate. Nobody buys a CD because of the way the banks decorate. 
really it's about the numbers, yeah. you know, and, and probably, you know, one of the problems first time investors have is they want to buy an investment the way they bought their house. They want to like the kitchen. They want to like yeah. the bathrooms. They want to like the car. Like for me, I love going into houses that smell, you know, I mean, if, if they had pets or something, that's the smell of money to me because yeah. I can get rid of that. Yeah. Right. I can paint walls. I can change floors. I can put in kitchens and bathrooms. I want to buy the house that somebody else doesn't want to buy, but I want to buy it at a, at a price and terms. And the, the other thing in, in, as a new investor is thinking about that whole price and terms, right? So my, my guy who said the only mistake I ever made uh, in buying real estate was selling it was an appraiser. And whenever he was asked the value of a property, he always had the same first question. Are we buying it or selling it? Mm -hmm. Because perspective makes the value appear differently. Yeah. So you, and, and the third thing that I will throw, just, we're just throwing out these pearls, Brandon. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, the, the other thing is, if it's my price, it's your terms. If it's your price, it's my terms. So I'll pay more for a property if you're giving me like some really terrific financing or you're helping me out. Maybe, um, maybe I'm going to buy a property from you and you give me a contract and you allow me to begin doing the work before the property is sold. So I don't actually have to buy it. Mm -hmm. I get the benefit of my rehab and then I resell it. Under those circumstances, I would pay thousands more for the house mm -hmm. because I, I'm missing a transfer tax. I don't have to go out and get financing. I don't have the cost of money. So there's, I, I remember doing a, a flip years ago with a guy who was about to lose his house. We let him stay in the house for a period of time. We took over the payments. He moved out. We fixed it up. We sold it. We even gave him a portion of the additional profit. And really, we put in very little cash. And, and when you calculate the return on investment, unless you're, you're doing it by sheer dint of power where you're yeah, I want. paying cash for it, right? It, you're leveraging some portion of the money. So you're only investing this little bit. So if you buy a $100,000 property and you put 25,000 into it, as an example, 25% down, and the property goes up 5% the next year, you've actually made 20% on your investment because you only put in 25,000. Yeah. Right. So when the other thing we do is we teach our agents to calculate the return on investment based on the income depreciation, equity and appreciation, because all of those are parts of the return. When you add them up, you would buy nothing but real estate. Right. You know, because the returns are just, I, you know, it's funny. I, I talk to people that are in tech startups and stuff and they say, oh, we'll get you 5% on your money. 5%. Dude, I, I don't even like, I don't want to wake up for that. You yeah. know, we make, we make big money when we buy and sell real estate. And yeah. when we buy and hold real estate, if you don't look, if, if you have um, a, a nine-year-old child, go and buy a house right now with a 15 year mortgage in seven years, when they're ready to go to college, you will have paid off 30% of that mortgage yeah. and you'll have your initial down payment and the property will have appreciated. And you will be able to take money out in a refi if you want, 
which is non-taxable, or use that income for some other person, or sell it to help pay for their college. I mean, it's a, it's really, I I did that. I actually still own the property and and my son is far older. He's been out of college for decades now, but I bought a property to do that. And then when I was ready to send him to college, I didn't need the money. So we just kept it, but I've refinanced the house three or four times and taken cash out of it. We've taken income out of it. I've had tax shelters from it. I'll be sorry when I sell it. Yeah, you know, just because I'm so used to owning it. Just it's selling a job that you didn't. You only worked 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, really. Well, I think there's a there's a great term in there too that uh, if even if you're not to that point yet, just in your normal negotiations, price, my price, your terms. There's Absolutely. two parts to every contract. There's the price and the terms, and everybody gets so caught up. Even when they're helping their clients negotiate on the price, there's a whole other side of that world that just can be opened up. Yeah, we actually just did a company meeting on on negotiation, and I'm I'm embarrassed sometimes how poorly other professionals negotiate. Yeah. I don't negotiate verbally. There's nothing, you know. We just I, I was talking to an agent of mine on my way into the office today, and he told me that he had an agreement of sale, and in Pennsylvania, generally the listing agent will hold uh, the earnest monies. This brokerage does not have a, an escrow account. They asked us as the buyer's agency to hold the escrow. Now, while we're regulated by our real estate commission, we, we're we the buyer's agent. Our job is to protect the buyer. You know, so that's, to me, that's a really, that's a really weak term, mm-hmm. you know, but get things in writing, make sure they're clear. Um, we, we had somebody we, we we often get people who say, well, I sent out something to be signed and they never got it back. That means the other person didn't agree. Mm-hmm. They're not obligated. You know, be careful with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing when you, uh, when you are involved in uh, as many transactions, I'm sure as you have been in, I look sometimes and I wonder sometimes how any of them get done because you've got to usually, you got to, Two emotional clients, typically, and then hopefully there's one of the two agents that's unemotional and just trying to move forward with something that they're used to doing. But there's a lot of moving parts in there, that, a lot of a lot of ways that they can go wrong. So now people people need not to be lazy. They need not to do the easy thing. They need to do the right thing. You know that's why we get paid. You yep. know, and and while I don't think we're overpaid because we the conversation about how we get compensated always fails to take into account that we do a tremendous amount of work for consumers for which we do not get paid. Right. I mean, you know, showing houses to buyers that never buy listing homes that don't get sold. I mean, there's, there's a tremendous, we act as resources um, in hopes of getting that good transaction. So people look at the transactions that close and go, wow, they made that much money on that deal. And they don't think about the seven other agreements you wrote or the 32 houses you showed or the two deals that fell apart. They only look at that, that one thing. And I, I think you have to look at everything you're doing and explain to the consumer what you're doing. And our, our business is so complicated that many agents cannot actually articulate what they do. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and that's not a problem. Gonna- 
they're not getting the uh, the check is not for meeting with the client, listing the home, putting it in the MLS. The check is for the 900 transactions over the course of the last five years, six years that they did that educated them on what was going on, have a good conversation with the seller, keep them from making a mistake. That's where they earn their money, not in the listing of the home. And, and that's a, you know, that's an important thing that uh, if the agent doesn't already believe that, then it's hard to communicate to the, uh, to the client for sure. Look, that's, that's why agents don't work for sale by owners because they're not convinced that they're worth the money they charge. Value proposition. Yeah. So, right. So they have a, a difficult time calling the consumer because it's like, well, gee, the market's so hot now they can sell by themselves. Right. Any moron can sell a house when the market's hot. Right. Getting a, getting the best price and the best terms with the least legal liability. That's where we come in, you know, but, but getting it sold, that's easy. Good stuff. Well, we got, uh, we at least at minimum, you're going to have to come back. We got a bunch of other topics we can cover at some point, but uh, I think we're, we're probably ready to wrap this one up. Um, for anybody who wants to get a hold of you and get some more information on, you know, they're not getting the, the type of um, information stuff that you've shared in the, in the Pennsylvania, New Jersey area, they definitely need to reach out to you. If anybody just wants to connect with you, what's the best way to, uh, to get a hold of you, Bill? Well, they can reach me at bill.loveland at c21ag.com. Or frankly, they could call me at 215-280-4114. I don't, I, I'm okay not answering the phone if I need not to, but I'm okay talking to anybody that calls. I was going to offer, if you want that in there, we could edit it out earlier and put it in 555-1212 or something. No, I'm okay. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. I, yeah. Who's, who, whatever. I get random calls every day from people that want to buy properties from me. Yeah. And I, I correct them on their scripts yeah. <laughs> because the, the scripts are so bad. It's like, I was wondering if you would be willing to sell all cash. Like, I, I don't care. I get cash no matter what you do. Right. It doesn't matter what you know? in your pocket. You'd be willing to take a fair price? No, I, I'd really like to get a high price. Yeah. You know, would you be, would you, uh, were you thinking of selling your home? Yes, that's actually my strategy for getting rid of my real estate portfolio is to wait for random individuals that I've never met to call me on my cell phone and then to accept whatever offer they're willing to make. By the way, let me put you in touch with my onboarding department. We can get right, you. Yeah. Well, it's been great, Bill. I appreciate you hopping on. And um, my pleasure. For, for um, those of you listening, uh, again, thank you for um, being part of the, the Level Up. And please leave us a review. Um, helps us get continue to get great guests like uh, like Bill and sharing the nuggets and stuff that over over the decades of experience that he has. So um, until the next time, again, Bill, thank you very much. And we will talk again soon. My pleasure. Bye bye. Now.